All right, good morning, Mercy Hill Church. My name's Brad, I'm one of the pastors here, and we are taking a break from our study in Hebrews this summer, and we're doing a short study entitled Soul Rest, and this is the fourth installment of that, that study. And in this study, we're looking at how the gospel enables us to live a grace-based life in a burnout culture. And today, we're talking about the idea of Sabbath. And I want to hear from you. I, w- I want your help as we get started today. When I say the term Sabbath, I want to know what comes to your mind. What's the top of the head response? Like, maybe you have a rhythm of Sabbath in your life, and this is a doctrine and theology that you're well equipped with. Or maybe Sabbath just means you can't get Chick-fil-A. But when you think of Sabbath, what comes to mind? Rest. Sunday. Think about your personal experience growing up, or maybe a friend's experience. Like, what do you feel? What do you remember about when you hear the term Sabbath? Tradition. No work. Big lunch. God had a glass of sweet tea. That is not even the message version, but that will work. And someone said we take naps. Yeah, so... I grew up in a house where Sabbath was practiced. It was actually a regular rhythm for us. There was no work. Uh, We didn't cut the grass. We didn't wash the car. Those were kind of the rules, the unwritten rules in our household that went along with Sabbath. But the things that I do remember were playing with friends a lot, watching a lot of black and white westerns. It's just what we did. And eating Mexican popcorn that my mom would make. That was what comes to mind when I think of Sabbath. It was really restful for probably the first 20 years of my life. And then I went away to college. And as soon as I did, Sunday became a work day for me. And for the last 20 years, Sunday has been a work day. Now, I've had a vacation day during the week or a day off in a sense But I didn't have a real theology for Sabbath over that last, the second 20 years of my life. Yeah, I might have a day off, but really a rhythm of rest or Sabbath, that wasn't part of my life until about three or four years ago. I found myself at a point in my work where if you ask me, Brad, do you enjoy your job? I would say, yes, this is what God's called me to. But on Monday morning when I woke up, I had very little energy. I wondered if I could keep going on. I woke up feeling exhausted, kind of dreading the coming week. Many times just feeling like I was going through the motions, like there's a lot of good things in my life, but almost too many good things, you know, and I love doing this. 
But even if you love doing it, you can't do anything all the time without stopping. And I don't think I let myself, I don't think I was really honest with myself at the time. But if I look back, there was a subconscious question that was floating through my mind. And it went like this. I had this unspoken question. I don't know how much longer I can do this. Or I don't know how much longer I want to do this. Now, I don't think I would really let myself ask that question, but it was there. And about that time, in steps uh, Eugene Peterson into my life. An old and wise pastor, not literally, but through interviews and books, I hear Eugene Peterson start to talk about Sabbath, and not just as an idea, but as something that he and his wife and family had practiced for the last at least 30 years of their ministry. And some of you will remember that I wrote a letter to you. If you were part of the church probably four years ago, maybe three years ago, I wrote a letter. And in it, I said, if you will give me Monday off, I won't fill your Sunday afternoons and evenings with meetings. If you'll give me a Sabbath on Monday, I'll let you have a Sabbath on Sunday. And if I'm honest, that decision in my life, I'm not exaggerating when I say, I don't know if I'd be here today without it. Now, here's the thing. Sabbath isn't just for pastors. We all need Sabbath. We all need time to intentionally slow down in order to remember that we are dust and that God is God. We rarely live our lives that way. We instead live our lives, we wear our exhaustion like it's a badge of honor. We brag about how little sleep we've gotten, how much work we've done. We rarely slow down long enough to really consider how the day-to-day-to-day events of our lives begin to take a, a toll on us. And then we wind up depressed, anxious, fearful, and we wonder, like, where did all of this come from? And we've never stopped to think about the toll that just day after day after day begins to take on our lives and on our souls. We weren't created to live that way. Today, I want to answer two questions. So the first half is going to be a little doctrinal, and, and uh, we're going to interpret the Scriptures, and that whole second half, I want to be practical. Uh, the two questions are, what is Sabbath, and how do we practice it? Okay, what is Sabbath, and how we practice it? So turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, and I just want to read verses 8 through 11. You're going to recognize this passage of Scripture. If you have one of these old school paper Bibles that you're opening up, you're going to see the section heading and it's going to say the Ten Commandments. So that kind of tells you where we are within the narrative. Beginning in verse 8. These are God's words. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. Your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, 
or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gate. Now, just a footnote. As he's talking about your servants, these were not slaves. These were servants who were indebted to a master many times because they owed them money. Um, It was usually temporary, not always permanent. Maybe it was someone from another nation. So God is not saying that slavery is okay here. He goes on and he says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What is Sabbath? That word in Hebrew means to cease or desist. To stop. It was a day for the people of Israel from Friday evening until Saturday evening when all their work stopped. And if you look at the idea of Sabbath, we really see that it was practiced after the children of Israel made their way out of Egypt. And the thing that's interesting is when God brought down manna, it seems that they were unfamiliar with the idea of Sabbath because God said on Friday evening, you pick up double the amount and they were disobedient I think they were disobedient most likely because they didn't even understand the practice of Sabbath. So God gives them this day of rest. The origin for Sabbath actually goes all the way back to Genesis. And uh, if you'll look, Paul's already mentioned this. Look at Genesis uh, chapter 2 really quickly, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, when you read that, my question to you is, do you think God was tired? Do you think he was tired? I mean, what is the nature of his resting? Because if you turn to Psalm 121, and I'm not going to turn there, but it tells us that uh, God never sleeps nor slumbers. And so for 24-7, 365 and one quarter days of the year, God is tirelessly at work holding all things together. So the rest that God experiences here is a rest from creation, from creating For six days he has been busy at the work of creating. And now he says on the seventh day, I'm resting from creating. In essence, he is saying it is complete and it is finished. Which shows us that we also, if we are trusting in God at the end of our week, can say it is complete and it is finished and it is enough. In that, as God rested... uh, His rest was to point us to this idea that all things have been made complete. Now, today, as we look at Sabbath and what it means for us, I don't want to get into the nuances of what work means for you and what you should do and shouldn't do. We've all seen the pitfalls of that within the Old Testament. But my purpose today is in light of the cross to point us to the Sabbath as a joyful remembrance of two things, creation and redemption. Creation in the fact that, yes, we are created beings and we must remember that we too are human. And remembering that we are human means that we are willing to rest And then also, Sabbath points us to the joyful reminder of redemption. 
Because in the same way that God said my work was finished before sin came into the world, Jesus, remember what Jesus said? He said, I am Lord of the Sabbath. So his crucifixion and resurrection, in essence, are completion of the work, the not physical work, but spiritual work that needed to be done. So Sabbath also reminds us the spiritual work is done. It is finished. Jesus has done it. It is enough. We can rest. Now, with that in mind, I think that we all would agree that this six days of work and one days of rest, it's a pattern of of work and rest. It's hardwired into all of creation, into all the human race. Even people who don't attend a church on Sunday, Sunday's just a more restful day for them. And we see God's intentionality in including these instructions as the fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments. Now, when I started studying Sabbath for this week, I did a word study of Sabbath throughout the Old Testament and the New. And sometimes when I get ready to preach on a topic, I'll know an idea or a principle off the top of my head, and and I'll kind of know where I'm going, and I'll go to that passage of Scripture. But for me, it was a little bit of an awakening or a reminder this week as I started studying Sabbath, it was kind of like, The light started flashing like, Brad, this is in the Ten Commandments. This is probably a bigger deal than we make it. Because here's my question to you. When you think about the importance of Sabbath in your life, my guess is that most of us, for whatever reasons, culturally have kind of shed this idea of Sabbath as kind of like, ah, not a big deal. Whatever you make it to mean for you, it's kind of... If you want to do it, you can. As long as we worship on Sunday, that's enough. Jesus changed everything. It's not even the same day. You know, it was on Saturday then. It's on Sunday now. We've claimed Resurrection Day. Romans 14, Paul seemed to say it didn't really matter when we worshiped it. Like the church was honestly kind of back and forth on it early on. Like, is it one? Is it both? Some people did both. And so I think a lot of us, when we think about Sabbath, we go, okay, Jesus had a lot of arguments about Sabbath. Like a lot of the controversy, a lot of his miracles, he seemed to really be intentional to heal people on the Sabbath. So what's up with that? Jesus, and sometimes I think we had the idea that Jesus didn't really hold to the Sabbath because the Pharisees were always, they were always arguing with him about why are you healing people on the Sabbath? And Jesus' point was, he said, I'm the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Like, I am Lord of the Sabbath. And healing someone and showing mercy to someone, like if you can get your ox out of a ditch on the Sabbath, which was like this crazy Old Testament law, then I'm pretty sure that forgiving someone and healing someone is appropriate. But when we think about Sabbath, I think we think about all those arguments and we go, oh, Jesus Jesus wasn't really into the Sabbath either. I mean, he changed the day. But the truth of the matter is Jesus did not come uh, in order to do away with the Old Testament law. He fulfilled it. So he fulfills the law of the Sabbath and he upholds the Sabbath. He says that we're to to bless it and to make it holy. And and so if you look at verse 8, the first command in the tent. Well, let me just step back for one second. Because I want to convince you today, before we move to the practical stuff in like two minutes, I want to convince you that this is more important than you think it is. So here's my question to you. Of the Ten Commandments, the ones you can remember, how many are you willing to give up? 
Because these were commandments that were given to the people of Israel as they came out of Egypt. They had no idea how to live as a nation. And God wasn't throwing down these rules on them like I'm being hard-handed, I'm being judgmental. God was saying these are basic cultural conditions for a society to live together. They're as basic as don't murder your neighbor. They're as basic as when your neighbor, when he comes home, let his wife still be his wife. No adultery. That's pretty basic. Don't lie. Don't steal. The Sabbath is in there. Are we willing to give up on any of the other Ten Commandments? I think we should, with the flashing lights, take more of a look at the Sabbath and its importance in our life. Verse 8 of the Ten Commandments uh, talks about Sabbath and it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This idea of remembering is not our idea where we go back in time and we go, oh yeah, I remember something from back then. No, the Hebrew idea of remembrance is that it's recalling, it's not recalling a fact, but it's meditating on something. Pay attention to it. And so the idea that we are called to, to remember the Sabbath, a biblical remembrance requires action. So an illustration of that would be, I don't think I know any bride who is okay with a husband who merely remembers the date of their wedding anniversary. Oh yeah, I remembered it. It was our anniversary. Hey, happy anniversary. Nothing's changed. That doesn't work. I mean, kind of, we would like to think it works for us guys. Doesn't work for our brides. Brides are not okay with that. Brides only accept intentional remembrance that includes planning, action, and usually money. (laughs) That's the idea of remembering. Intentionality with action involved. So remember the Sabbath. Some commentators argue that in our remembering the Sabbath, that as we intentionally turn away from work and turn to God in worship, that that's what makes it holy. Because we've set aside our regular work and we've made it a day of rest that is blessed. Verse 10, one day's rest in seven is built into creation as a necessity. And it's interesting that it says for individuals, for families, for households, even for your servants who are Gentiles, not a part of Israel, even for your animals. That even the animals needed a day where they could rest. Do you see that resting is part of what it means just to be human? God has created us in order that we need rest. And so the Sabbath is important. If we neglect the Sabbath, we're implicitly claiming an affinity with God that mortals cannot claim. If you say, I can work seven days a week and I can do that for the rest of my life, you are claiming a kind of immortality that you cannot claim. The laws of earth say that it's going to catch up with you. Okay, so we look at what Sabbath is. Now, I want to talk a little bit, how do we do it? Um, Let me ask you this. When was the last time you heard a sermon on Sabbath? I don't really know if I ever have. Um, Not one that was at least helpful. A lot of us grew up with thinking of Sabbath in a very legalistic way. Like Sabbath is all the things you can't do. And maybe that was a turnoff to us as well. But we've got to remember that Jesus said that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So Jesus in Mark chapter 2 was saying that Sabbath is a blessing to us. 
It's a blessing that we should receive from the Lord. So let's talk real quick about how do you do it? How do you practice Sabbath? What does that look like in your life? Incorporating the rhythm of Sabbath into your life, it's really like adding a stop sign, okay? What does a stop sign do? It provides safety and security to everybody who's coming. You know, I've got a four-way stop near my house at Tutwiler and Evergreen. And like, I hate that four-way stop because I'm like, you got to stop, you got to slow down. But it's really good because it seems inconvenient, but it's honestly life-saving. Because if that stop sign weren't there, somebody would blow through the light and they'd T-bone you. So a stop sign is actually for our good. Now, me personally, I live a very fast life. Um, But every Monday, I stop and I slow down. That's my Sabbath. Um, I'm not available on Monday. Uh, Some of you call me sometimes and I don't answer the phone. Um, I like to tell people if you're bleeding, it's 911. Um, If it's me, leave me a voicemail and I'll call you back on Tuesday. So if you're bleeding, you probably need to call 911 because Tuesday's going to be a long ways away. Now, some people don't like that. Um, I heard the story of a pastor who had a church member get mad at him because he tried to call him several times on Monday. He couldn't get a hold of him. The pastor said, sorry, that's my day off. And the member said, the devil doesn't take a day off. And the pastor said, you're right. And if I didn't, I'd be just like the devil. It's a cheesy joke. But I found, and I haven't always practiced Sabbath perfectly. There's been times where I've missed it. Um, I'm not always intentional enough. But it's a very helpful practice in my life. What does a typical Sabbath look like? Let me just say this. If you're married, it's beneficial if if you and your spouse can take Sabbath on the same day. Katie and I aren't doing that right now. Her Sabbath is Sunday. I'll sometimes work till five or six on Sundays. I have elder meetings on Monday night, so I'm sometimes prepping for those or other things for the next week. And sometimes we'll get a little confused. Like I'll schedule a meeting on Sunday afternoon that involves her, and she's like, hey, you're cutting into my Sabbath. I'm like, oh, that's right. So it's beneficial if you can practice Sabbath with your spouse on the same day. But what, is it, what does a typical Sabbath look like? Three things. First, it's worshipful. Okay? It's, I know that, that should go without saying, but think about Jesus' words in Matthew 11. We've been saying this a lot. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Now, it should go without saying, but we, we need to say it. Jesus says, come to me. Uh, so we have to make sure that as we think about Sabbath, that we're actually being intentional to come to Jesus. Otherwise, we'll just look for rest in all the wrong places. And so this means gathering for Sunday worship, that it should be a priority in our life. Now, now let me talk about that for a second. That doesn't mean that you have to be here 52 Sundays a year. We're not even usually here the last Sunday of the year. We usually take the last Sunday of the year and say, we're going to have a Sabbath for the year and just we'll see you back in January. This doesn't mean that you have to end your vacation early in order to come back so you can be here for Sunday worship. It doesn't mean that. It also, however, I don't think it means that God is fine with you just going to Pickwick for the summer and saying, we'll see you in September. Or saying, our kids are going to play travel ball all summer long and we'll see you later in October. 
Because if we don't make Sunday a regular rhythm in our life, then you're going to see that we're teaching with our lives and modeling to our kids, hey, we know that, we know that God's important. He's the creator of all things, but we're going we're gonna to play ball every Sunday. What are you worshiping? What's most important? And so Sabbath needs to be a rhythm in our life. It needs to be intentional, and Sunday worship needs to be part of that. In Isaiah 58, the prophets addressed the dark side of human nature, and they warned against those who treated the Sabbath day more as a holiday than a holy day. Um, throughout the Old Testament, we see Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they, they offer warning after warning. You got to remember, guys, this was the Ten Commandments. God was staking down a people for His namesake. There's constant commands throughout the Old Testament. You kill Israelites who don't keep the Sabbath. They're to be put to death. Like it's multiple times throughout the Old Testament. That's how big a deal it was, okay? And Ezekiel said, you'll see where God's judgment's coming. God's judgment is coming on any... Whenever Israel ceased to keep the Sabbath, they said God's judgment is inevitable. That's like the sign that His judgment is on the way inescapable because it, it was representative of a people who no longer saw God as creator. They no longer worshiped God for who he is. And, and so we see that worship is important. So for me, where I work on Sundays and then take a break on Monday, I try to be intentional not to skip my devotions on Monday to let my Sabbath continue to be worshipful because my temptation is to say, Oh, it's the Sabbath. I just need to rest. You know, I open my Bible on Sunday. That feels like work. I'm just going to turn on the TV. It's really intentional that I worship. So a Sabbath should be worshipful, but it also should be restful. Now, I want to talk in detail about uh, what restful means. I've heard it said that those who work with their minds should rest with their hands. Anybody ever heard that before? Those who work with their minds should rest with their hands. And so for me, hobbies like woodworking are restful. If you're someone who works with your mind throughout the week, you spend the majority of your time sitting behind a desk, you might consider on Sabbath doing something that's engaging and active. Something like gardening or playing golf. Something, so see, Sabbath doesn't mean being lazy. Sometimes if we work with our minds during the week, we should intentionally engage our bodies in order that we can find rest. Now, you have to be careful with that because my house also needs some painting done to it. But, and I'm kind of, I told you last week, I can tend to be a workaholic. And so I can kind of fool myself into thinking like, it's Sabbath tomorrow, but the house needs to be painted. And so I'll feel really good about that at the end of the day if I work all day painting, but that's not rest. That's not enjoyment. So what can you do in your life that's restful? And the same is true, or vice versa is true. Those who work with their hands should rest with their minds. So if you're busy just killing your body all week long doing physical labor, then don't schedule a lot of chores around your house on the Sabbath. Rest. Allow your physical body to rest. Um, 
I also encourage you to unplug as much as possible. You know, sometimes it feels like, oh, the best way for me to rest is just sit around on social media all day or binge watch a lot of TV shows. And while that feels like a good time, uh, when, you're, when you're thinking about it in the moment, like when's the last time th- that you got up from binge watching a bunch of TV shows and was like, I feel great. I feel like I've just run like four miles. Man, do you feel the endorphins kicking in from like House of Cards? Do you feel that? Like, you know, you're like, I feel guilty. I feel like a slob. I feel like I didn't use my time well. And so I really encourage you to be intentional in how you're restful. Unplug. Um, Guys especially, ladies too, but us guys, we like to carry our phones in our pockets, on our belts. Really encourage you on Sabbath, take this guy and put it over there and check it throughout the day. But remember, if it's work, don't answer it. It's restful. And by the way, if it's other people calling, it's optional whether you answered or not. I know that if you are, I'm not going to give an age, but if you're young, you don't know of this thing called voicemail. But for those of us who are 40 or older, we grew up in a time where we didn't even have these. And we actually grew up in a time where we didn't even have voicemail. You know, you just like called and, but leave a voicemail. Because you know what? Just because you think it's important, just because it's an emergency on your part, which probably means you've been procrastinating something, doesn't constitute an emergency on my off day. So leave a voicemail And you know what? You don't have to pick up the phone either on your Sabbath. You can, but you don't have to. Sometimes the best thing that we can do for people who are so dependent upon us is to remind them, I'm not always available. You should be dependent on God, not on me. So remember, you don't have to answer that phone. Try to schedule things that you would consider work on other days. So things like grocery shopping, dreaded appointments, Chores that are draining, schedule them on other days. And lastly, so Sabbath should be worshipful, it should be restful, and lastly, it should be joyful. Sabbath should be joyful. The rabbis in the Old Testament, they taught that two of the family's main duties on the Sabbath day were to praise God and to enjoy the best food and drink in the home. It was to be joyful. So for me, on a Sabbath, what does it look like? Well, honestly, sometimes I go to a movie alone because that's joyful for me. I'm with people all throughout the week, and I actually like going to the movies by myself. I'm a little weird. I'll I'll admit it. Um, That's no surprise to anyone. But I like going to the movies, so maybe once every couple months, I'll go see a movie by myself. Sometimes, occasionally, I'll go to the park. I might go to Shelby Forest. I usually go alone. I like to just walk in the woods, me and God. Um, Sometimes I sleep until nine and I don't feel guilty about it. And you know what? If I'm exhausted, if I've had like a really just nonstop week, maybe meetings even into Sunday night, I might sleep till 10. And I don't feel guilty about it because it's the Sabbath. Um. Usually I read because I enjoy reading. Sometimes I'll cook for Katie so that she doesn't have to. I got this idea from Eugene Peterson. He and his wife would exchange 
chores. Now, here's the, the deal. I understand that the Sabbath, you can't shut your life down. So I am in no way presenting this paradise where life, because some of you are thinking, I couldn't sleep till nine or 10. I could, so some of this just fits the season of life that we are currently in. And you have to figure out what your season of life is. But one of the things that Eugene Peterson and his wife would do, they would exchange chores. So where he had been doing devotions and Bible studies all week long, they would go for a walk, take their binoculars, look at birds, pack a picnic, and he would pack the picnic because she always made the meals. She would lead them in a devotional from the Psalms because he always led the devotionals. They would get home at night. He would cook dinner and give her a break. And so sometimes you can swap chores. The chores need to continue. But what she considered work, he said, I can do that. It's not that much work for me because I don't do it all week long. So consider that. We should rest. We should rejoice in the Sabbath. It should be joyful. Now, just a couple of exceptions. What about the person with an ever-changing work schedule? What if you're like, my schedule isn't set. I can't just pick a day, so I can't do Sabbath. It will take a lot more planning and determination for you if your schedule changes. But you should set aside Sabbath at the beginning. Like you get your calendar for the week. And the first thing you should do, you get your work schedule. You should sit down and say, this day will be Sabbath for me. This week. Or if it can't be a day, then say this four or five or six hour block of time. This will be Sabbath for me. And you know, the same way that if you've learned that if you give tithes and offerings to the church, you've, over time, if you give regularly and if you try to give a percentage, you've learned that you can't wait till the end of the month and then go, well, let me see what's left in my wallet. Hmm, that doesn't work because there's never anything left, right? So if you want to give a percentage regularly, you have to do it in the beginning before you've spent it all. And the same is true for Sabbath. Before you've spent all your time for the week, you need to plan, when are we going to rest? Before you work, when are we going to rest this week and plan it? Now, what about the stay-at-home mom or dad who can't leave their kids? You say, this is ridiculous. I hate this whole sermon. What some, of y'all, some of you are, you would run the risk of leaving here literally bitter. Because let me, let me say this, hear me real quick. This isn't in my notes, but when you're in that stage where your kids are like zero to five, it is, it is the hardest, it, in some ways, it is one of the hardest stages. It's the hardest stage you've come up against yet. And if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, you have lost all identity other than booty wiper, uh, cleaning up, spit up, Um, And we know our identity should be in Jesus. But when you are with kids 24-7 and other people look at you and go, oh, but you don't work. And you're going, I never stop working. And your your house is never clean because you're always there messing it up. And other people go, you got flexibility. And you're going, yeah, I might not have to be somewhere, but I'm never done with my work. Listen to me. If you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, you need at least four hours a week of undivided time in which you're responsible for no one but yourself. 
And if you don't get that on a regular basis, it's just, it's just a matter of time before you're going to be coming to me or one of our elders or your missional community leader, and you're going to be saying, I'm depressed. Um, I, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I don't have relationships. I've lost community. Like, you need that time. Now, I've seen it. I've seen it in my wife's life. I see it in other pastors' lives and in, in their wives. And some of, you, some of you guys are stay-at-home dads. And so that's kind of a, a new trend in our culture. But you, you also need that time in which you are responsible for no one but yourself. And you can remember your Creator. You can dream a little bit. You can get outside of the details of life. So remember that. You need it. Two final warnings as you think about Sabbath. One key to a successful day off is six hardworking days on. We live in a culture that is, I believe, the most distracted culture that's ever been in all of history. Technology is a wonderful thing. The internet is a wonderful thing. It's brought about some amazing possibilities. It also can be an incredible time waster. Make sure that on the six days where you're supposed to be working, that you're working hard. So that on the seventh day, you can rest. Because if you're not working, if you're not meeting your deadlines on the other six days, then guess what's going to happen on the seventh day? You're not going to have time to rest. So work hard those other days. And second, my last warning, for those of you who are type A, who are hugely responsible, um, who struggle with legalism, um, you could hear this message and end up beating yourself up because you heard about Sabbath and can never quite do it the right way. It's never long enough. It's never good enough. It's never restful enough. And that's not at all what the Sabbath is about. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so it's not to be a source of guilt in any way. It's to be a source of rest and joy. So let me suggest to you, as you think about intentionally, what would it look like to find rest on the Sabbath? My hope is that for this family of believers, that we would see that God's called us to be human. And that that means that we recognize that He is God and that we are not. That we're made of dust. And that we need to rest. And so I could see Sabbath, I could see you planning on a Saturday, getting your chores done. Maybe planning a simple dinner party, preparing some food, and inviting some friends over on Sunday. Nothing extravagant. Maybe your missional community. Maybe some neighbors. Have some good food and some good drink. Nothing that requires a ton of cooking. But celebrate from time to time. So you know what? We're going we're gonna to remember creation, and we're going to remember redemption, and we're going to celebrate together. And we're going to take time to intentionally rest in our lives. Because if we began to do this, you know how one rhythm leads to another, one good habit leads to another? My guess is that we might also feel the freedom that if we rested one day a week, worked hard the other six days, that we might get comfortable enough that we would even be able to rest at night. That we'd be satisfied to work when it's light and rest when it's dark. I think we might even see that we're able to sleep a little better because we've found regular rhythms in our life. I think we would find that it gives us opportunity to rest. And we're going to talk about sleeping 
and recreating as a regular rhythm within our life in light of the gospel next week. But I think we would even find that it gives us opportunity to spend time on mission for Jesus with those who don't know him in a really restful and joyful way. Because we've taken time to recognize that he is God and we are not. And we've come to him like he's told us to do on a regular basis. All of us who are weary, that's me, I'm a human and heavy laden. And he promises on a weekly, on a daily, on a minute by minute basis to give us rest. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your intricate knowledge of us. You created us. You know everything about us. And you knew that we needed rest. I mean, we need to rest before sin even entered the world. My goodness, how much do we need rest now? Father, I pray that you would continue to show us how we can be intentional in our lives to worship you, to set aside time, Because, God, it's in some of those restful times that we actually see, uh, for your kingdom's sake, the most fruitfulness. I think about times where I I, I just sit aside and pull the smoker out, and, and maybe I'm smoking meat for like July 4th, and I see all my neighbors and interact with all these people, and it's fruitful in my resting, in my recreating. God, I pray that we would trust that your word is true. Pray that we wouldn't run like crazy people, like we're superheroes, but that we would be wise before life and these old bodies catch up with us. God, would you enable us through humility to rest and find joy in you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.